Question. What is this? Bread. A loaf of bread that was probably baked this morning by countdown. But is it really? Is it just a loaf? Ooh, Terry. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the bread is bread. That it's not chicken. From a distance, it could sort of look like chicken. If you didn't have your glasses on or you were short of vision, you might say, that's a chicken. And the disciples lived like that, didn't they? They saw things that weren't. They heard things that weren't. But is this more than bread? And that's the question we're going to look at this morning over the next few weeks from John 6. When Jesus talked about bread and fish, was he really talking about bread and fish? Was he talking about something much deeper than bread and fish? Because he was talking about bread and fish. And he gave them natural bread and fish to eat, but was he really giving them something more than that? But did all they see was bread and fish? See, the Bible says we are to see in the unseen. What does this look like in the unseen? Who is it in the unseen? Is that what your heart says? Is that the position of our spirit? Do we, as saints, see in the unseen and know that this is way more than bread? That we live in this duality system called the natural and the spiritual, the spiritual and the natural. And there is always much more happening than just what we see in the natural. Way, way, way more than just what happens in the natural. But our natural senses can only respond to the natural. What we see, what we taste, what we touch, what we smell, it limits us. And so God gives us this person called the Holy Spirit to hear, smell, see, and taste things that aren't of the natural, but are of the eternal, which is the place Jesus came from, which was what was in Jesus. And he said, if you want to have life in you, you too can have eternal life, which is more than eternity with me. It's a brand new life where the bread of life will fill you. So this is natural bread. No one's going to want to eat it because I've... <laughs> Feels good. Smells yummy. And if I had a coffee and some jam and bread and some cream, I'd devour it. But it's way more. And what this does in the natural, which if we all cut it up and we had a nice little party and we would eat it, we would all have a sense and experience of reality within us, wouldn't we? In our natural. If we were hungry, if we came here starving and you ate this, you would be full. And you would have had your fill. What does that look like when we partake of him? What does it look like to have your fill and be full? Because you partake of the bread. And the bread becomes your source. See, what we're going to look at in the entirety of John 6 is, yes, Jesus was healer. There's no doubt about that. Jesus was and is healer, and that is awesome. He was provider. He provided 
the natural resource to fill the natural, didn't he? The people want to make him king because they see and they perceive you're a prophet. Let's make you king. Let's have you rule over us and you be our priest because that's the system that we know. All we know is having priests over us instead of going, we want to be priests. You see, they lived under an old covenant, even though the new covenant was on earth. Let's not be those people. Let's not live under an old covenant when the new covenant has been on earth for 2,000 years. Let's not give away our priestly responsibility for a lack of knowledge. The Bible says my people perish for a lack of knowledge. That's not information. That's you don't know who you are as just just beautifully articulated which means we need to learn from the Messiah, the Christ. We need to have the operating system of heaven of where to know who we are and to truly be able to partake of bread that is way more than a natural loaf. And then you see through this entire process of John 6, he going from healer, provider, king to source. He's taking the people on a journey because he's meeting the people where they're at. He's so good, isn't he? Jesus met me where I was at in 97. He met you where you were at. He has to then to call you up because there's no way you and I can be called up until he comes down and then takes us up. Someone needs to hear that this morning. He takes us up. You don't take yourself up. So stop trying if you are. So heaven has to come to earth and then establish itself on earth through the vehicle called the church, which is the prayer of Matthew 6 that we pray, maybe never realizing what we're actually praying when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because as everyone in John 6 is about to discover, that is way more than miracles. Do you know the greatest miracle is your transformation? The greatest miracle is you and I experiencing a love that is heavenly. A love that is so powerful, as Melissa described, that it changes you, heals you, empowers you, gives you life, sets you free from you, the world, and this guy called the adversary who has zero power and authority when we know who we are. Just the bread, a loaf. That's not going to do that. That will last an hour in my body, (laughs) if you're lucky, before I need to go back to Countdown and buy another one. But I read about a person who said, you can know me, son, and you will never hunger And you will never thirst again for the things of the world. You will be free. Catch. That starts next week, doesn't it, eh? Don't drop it. Don't knock it on. So John 6, 29. This will come up behind me. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. 
We looked at this three weeks ago. If you weren't here or if you want to go and refresh yourself, please do this because everything I preach over the next few months is going to build upon itself. So we need to capture each meal to understand the whole. You won't understand what the carrots are doing on your plate unless you understand why the broccoli's there. You won't understand why the broccoli's there unless you understand why the cauliflower's there. You certainly won't understand the cauliflower without a plate. And so you've got to track. If you really want to come into the fullness, you have to track what's being declared because every message that we speak is building upon itself. They are not separate messages. They are one message adding, 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 building, building, building. Otherwise, you come in and you start at the wrong place and you have no context for what's being said. And the context for John 6 is he wants to be the source of your life. If there's one thing you hear, if you're taking notes, write that down. Jesus Christ wants to be the source. Just like oxygen is the source, he needs to be your oxygen. He doesn't just want to be your resource. He doesn't just want to resource you. He wants to be the source of your life. He wants you to go, I can't live unless I'm partaking of the bread of life. I won't be able to live the new covenant life unless I am partaking of the source of the new covenant life. I can't live in the new covenant if I'm living under an old covenant. If I'm trying to find life in dead things, I won't be able to be a priest who will minister from his or her identity. I will be a priest because I'm in Christ, but I won't be able to minister the way priests minister. So like before my word, I will watch it happen in front of me. I will be on the outside ministering in the outer courts instead of being a priest who is in the inner court and I will watch the inner court priest minister while as an outside priest I'll stand and observe it all happen. And I'll wonder why I'm not. And he's going, because it's about an inner priest reality. Through partaking of an inner priestly bread called the consecrated bread, called the bread of presence that David shouldn't have been able to eat, but he did because he was able to operate under a covenant because he knew God. How trippy is that? And the bread was called the bread of presence. So what happens when you partake of Jesus Christ, the bread of life, who's the bread of presence? What do you think you have in you? Presence. Do you think that presence can come out of you, go in you, or does it dwell and does it get bigger and bigger? So the more you eat, the bread of presence, the greater what you have in you. Presence. Wow. So you're going from glory to? Because the presence is going from? Help me. I don't know the answer. Because the presence is going from glory to glory because the presence is Christ in the church. And Christ in the church is greater than anything outside of the church. And I ain't talking about a building. I'm talking about people. This holds zero life. This is just wood, mortar, brick, stone, whatever you want to call it. That's all this is. It's a building that is lifeless in and amongst itself. But it houses the church 
to be able to come and worship the King of Kings and to receive eternal bread that only, only the Son of God can give. So the work of God is that you believe in Him. The first work of God is not a physical, external work, this is in the notes, guys, of what we do for God. The first work of God is not a physical, external work, what we do for God, but it's an inner believing, an awareness in the heart of God Himself and God's ways. That's what Jesse just said. I love, what was the word you used, Jesse? I'm enjoying God. I'm enjoying Him. Because I found the relational, not the functional God. Is there function in God? Yes, but that's not number one. That's two. Can we just be still? Can you be still? Or do you have to create stillness through function? Which is a false peace and a false stillness. See, someone who's functional, they actually can't be still. They can't. Their stillness comes from function. And God will take the function off you to create such a despair that you'll actually have to have fine knowledge to be still. Be still and know. Know I'm God, you'll be still. If you enter into his rest, you'll cease from your works. Which means there's no way you can be still if you're still trying to work this out. Because you haven't entered rest. Which means you have to believe. So, this work defines everything about our lives and will be the context for John 6. Okay, so the context for John is knowing without any doubt that Jesus Christ is to be the source of our lives. Everything I'm about to say should bring you back to He is the source. He is the source. This is the air I breathe, He is the food I eat. If I'm not eating Christ daily, I won't live the life I'm called to. It will pass me by. Doesn't mean he doesn't love me. Doesn't mean that I won't get to heaven. But the life I was called for here because I didn't partake of the bread of life, I wasn't able to engage in. And so I looked at it and I wanted to like the man by the pool, but I actually never took the leap of trust, not faith, trust. So in the entirety of John 6, just hear this. Jesus wants to be the source of your life. He says, do you believe I am? That's what he's asking everybody in this passage. He says, the work of God is to believe me and then believe I say what I say is true and I want to be your source, full stop, period. Not a human, not money, not a position, not a passion, nothing else but me will do. Okay, that's what he's attempting, and well, that's what he's saying. Without this knowledge through believing, we run off and do our own thing in his name. Without this knowledge, without this believing, we will run off and try and find other sources of life in people and things, in passions, in work, in human dreams, human goals, human accomplishments, self-help books, self-help to be a better person, all that will keep you in bondage to this. Hear me, I'm not saying improving yourself is wrong, 
but you have to understand the context that we're operating from. It's not a worldly one, it's an eternal one. You can be the best manager and completely miss what it means to be a priest. You can be the best sportsman and be the all black and completely miss what you were called for. And we have to realize where it all starts, who it starts from, and who empowers it because God is outworking and building a body on earth that is aligned to Him. Full stop, number one. And for many of us, we have to be arrested from ourselves, redirected, and then resent. So then we actually live the lives we are called for while we are sports people, teachers, doctors, mechanics, mums, dads, brothers, sisters, which means we need to hear, don't we, what's truly being declared and not mishear it. So John 6, if I was to ask you what really John 6 is about, what would you say? What have you heard it to be about? Do we even know what John 6 is about? <laughs> so John 6, feeding the 5,000, which was probably more than that because that was men and there was probably more than men there. But is that the context? Was it a miracle? Was that the context of John 6? Or was the miracle a means towards a greater end? God is the God of healing. He's the God of miracles, isn't he? But is that all he does miracles for? Is this to show his glory? Or is there something far greater than why he did every miracle? So every miracle you see and read about, was that the end or the means towards a greater end? Unfortunately, we, and I include myself and we, are very good at making the macro the micro and the micro the macro. We're very good at missing the real point and focusing on a mini point. We are brilliant at it <laughs> because we generally look through our own lens rather than his lens. And we find what is attractive to us or what fits our box. And what we don't tend to understand or what we don't even looking for, we never see it. Because we're not looking for it. Because we may or may not have a hunger for things we don't yet know. And so we're only really hungry for what our need is in any given time. Is that wrong? No. Is it a very small place to start of maturity? Yes. Does God meet you in that place? Yes. Does a father meet their child in their place of need? Yes. But is that where God wants to keep you? No. But is that where we stay? Always coming for what we can get, not coming for who we can become. Do you and I have sight to see who we're becoming? Do we have vision, not a task? Do you see who he has calling you to be? And become. Do you have a vision? Do you have revelation of why you need to eat bread? Because if I'm seeing who I'm supposed to be, who you've called me to be before the foundations of the earth, then I need the bread to go in line with that. Otherwise, I can never fulfill who you say I am before the foundations of the earth. Before I even started, you called me as a son. But can I see it? And if I can't see it, then I can't be it. 
So guess what? I'll be something else. I will limit God and God's word and God's promises in the, over my life, and I will live just human lives. Sure, I may be the greatest all black. I may be the greatest mum. I may be the greatest dad. But that is not the goal. That is all part of something, guys, but it is not the goal. The goal is to become like Christ. And every miracle that God did was to bring you to himself. To say, now, now that I have your attention, learn from me. Do you know you can't learn from God if you haven't entered into his rest? You need to be still to be able to learn. You see, you go to school to learn. But when your mind is active and your mind's thinking about all these other things, it's very hard to learn what the teacher's saying, isn't it? Because you're focused on Snapchat and you're focused on Facebook and you're focused on what's for lunch and you're focused on what's for dinner. Then you're focused on next week. Then you're focused on the play date that you've got. Then you're focused on every other thing, but for the purpose you're there. Because you can't be still because your flesh is still operating and trying to live. And so there's this flesh and spirit War that goes hammer and tongs. And Jesus says, unless you enter into the rest and cease from your works, you'll never learn from me because you're not still long enough for me to teach you anything. (laughs) You're there for two seconds, then you're gone. (laughs) And so we stay the same. So he wants to be our source in John 6. Is not about the miracle. As great as the miracle is, as great as it's true, right of him, in him, yes, let's celebrate. That's not the main point. So come with me to John 6 and let's unpack this in the next 20 minutes. Help me be true to 37 minutes. I give you permission to help me Because that is the time frame the Spirit of God has given me. Help me. Tell me I've got a minute to go. Sing it out, okay? Verse 1. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. After these things, after the words he had just spoken. Do you know there were four witnesses that Jesus Christ was the Messiah? You see, he's trying to get these people. He's trying to make a point. He's going to lead them, remember our context, to I am the source of life. So the first witness was John the Baptist. John came, sent from heaven, and was communicating, there is a Messiah coming. It is not me. I'm not fit to untie his sandals. There is one coming who will baptize you with fire. I baptize you with water. But the Messiah is coming. The Lamb of God is coming. John was a witness to what was coming. He was the greatest prophet of the old covenant. He said, there's a new covenant coming. It comes with the king that's going to be on the earth. And you're going to need to repent and have a brand new mindset, everybody, in John 6. Because there's a brand new food source coming upon the earth. And it's going to speak differently. It's going to act differently. It's not going to look like it was. 
So John was the first witness. The second witness was Jesus' works, the Father's works through God. Works are right, but when they are defined by love and his power and his calling and his inspiration, not just us running away doing stuff because we don't know who we are. So he said, the works, if you don't believe what I say, believe the works of my Father that come through me. Second witness were works. Third witness was the Father himself. Jesus related to his Father all the time. The Father has sent me. The Father has sent me. Me and the Father are one. They didn't like that. And the third witness were the Scriptures. Four witnesses that the bread of life was coming on the earth. What? Did someone say something? Hey? Is there a new, something happening new? See, if we don't have ears to hear, you'll never hear what's being declared. And it's the food source you need to live the eternal life. It can't be a 30-minute message on a Sunday. Think about how many hours there are in the day and how much our life is spent eating natural food. Well, you might want to times that by 10, and that should be your spiritual intake if you're going to live above the earth. Hear what I'm saying? I'm not called to live earthly. I'm not an earthy person. I'm called to be an ambassador from another realm. This is not my home. Is it yours? I do not make my abode on this earth. Why? Because this earth is perishing. It's breaking. It's gonna, why, why would you anchor to something that's falling away? Because you don't know you've anchored to something that's falling away. You don't think you have, but you have. See how you need to hear? Because you can't see it, can you? You've got to hear it. And it's not just hearing it. You've got to hear it. Just like these people needed to hear Jesus. So after these things that were being declared by Jesus himself into the earth, a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on the sick. A large crowd followed because they physically saw something that they hadn't seen before, and that was the motivation for their following. What's your motivation? What's my motivation? Is that a wrong motivation? No. Is it going to take you where you need to get to? No. And that's what John 6 is about. They, they follow him so far until the real reason why he's doing the miracle collides with what they think. So he's smart. <laughs> Do you like that little laugh? <laughs> Do you reckon the disciples knew what he was saying when he said, come follow me? They didn't have a clue. You know, you didn't. And you know, he doesn't tell you everything. Why? Because he's smarter than you because he knows you'd say no. So he hoodwinks you. We have all been divinely deceived. Divinely deceived. You see, he, he sees our heart. He sees the motive. He sees the intent. He sees the good intent, and he sees the selfish intent. But he's bigger than that. 
He's so much bigger than that. Why? Because he has a purpose and a plan for his church as a nation, as a people that's so far bigger than ours as individuals. So he hoodwinks us. And he responds when our motives are impure and selfish and self-centered to show himself in the hope that you would go, who are you? And not go, thanks for healing me, see you later. Like the nine lepers. Does that mean he doesn't love me? No. It means you're missing out on why he actually healed you. And he waits. And he's patient. And he's kind. And he's gentle. And he's long-suffering. And he endures. And he's not jealous. And he doesn't hold that against you. Why? Because you're under a new covenant. He believes and he hopes and he endures all things that you would know who you really are. And so there's this large crowd and they're following him because they see power. They see signs and wonders. Do you know signs and wonders can appeal to our flesh? You can be intoxicated by signs and wonders. You can be like um, Simon Give me that power. Give me that power. I used to operate under demonic power. Now give me that power. Peter rebuked him harshly and said, you are in the bondage of iniquity and sin. May the Lord forgive you for what you don't even know you're saying, man. You see, the Jews looked for signs. The Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ, Christ crucified. That doesn't sound too good. A dead guy nailed to the cross. That looks very painful, and I don't think I want to go anywhere near that. But give me the sign. Give me the wonder. That's amazing, man, and I can do it. Give me wisdom. Stimulate my intellect so I can somehow grasp this concept of God, understand it, because then I'll figure him out, and then I can be God. And I don't need God if I can figure God out. But don't give me Christ and Christ crucified. No way. That's stupidity. Foolishness. No, that's the way to the bread. That's the way to the water. That's the way to the full life. And there is no other way to the Father but through Christ, Christ crucified. Guys, it's an operating system. There are three operating systems happening right here. There is the give me a sign operating system. There is the give me wisdom operating system. And then there's the give me Christ, Christ crucified operating system. There are three to choose from. Which one do we choose? Because two are false and one are right. Two will lead you down dark pathways. One brings you life. And these people don't know this. But Jesus is sharing this with them. You're going to see in John 6, he speaks and declares his reality. Why? Because he's come for the lost tribe of Israel. He's come for his kinsmen. And they're missing him. They're missing him. 
but they're captivated by him to a measure. And so you've got this crowd. Jesus raised up disciples, not crowds. He raised up disciples, not converts. Anyone can hang in the crowd. You get lost in a crowd. Do you know that's why some people choose to go to what we would call mega churches, because they hide. What are you hiding from? Who are you hiding from? It's, it's like Adam trying to hide under the bush. Do you really think God can't see you hiding in the back? Do you think he can't see you hiding up the top? you think he can't see me now, right now, hiding what's in my heart? It's got nothing to do with physical, man. He knows you. He knows you more than you know you. He knows the plans and the purposes he has, the desires that he wants to put in your heart, not your desires. Don't be a crowd follower. Be a disciple. Don't be a convert. Be a disciple. Our motivation for following Jesus will say so much about who we are and why we follow him. Our motivation for following Jesus will say so much about who we are and why we follow him. You see, once again, I love what Jesus shared. She shared an old wineskin and then she shared a new. Her motivation when she was living from an old, even though she was new but didn't realize it, was different to her motivation now. She was coming to God trying to prove herself worthy to God and God would accept her in an old wineskin. Now she just knows God does. Oh, that's getting set free from that, isn't it? If you don't enter into rest, you can't cease from your work. See, that's a works. I'm trying to make myself good in your eyes. God's saying, stop, you already are, sweetheart. You're my beloved. But I just don't know that, so I keep trying. So you've got to believe in what he says, but you can't believe through your natural. You've got to believe, get revelation through the Spirit. And then it stops the behavior that's out of alignment. So the motivation is really important. And 6 verse 30, I find fascinating. And we're going to jump all over the place because I can't read it all out because that'll take up my 37 minutes. <laughs> so you've got to go and read this yourself. you actually got to go spend time in John 6 to get understanding. Okay? So... 6.30, so they said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What do you do to perform? Wow. Because there's this process. They're hearing work and they're connecting it to human things, thinking, well, how do we do the works of God? He's saying, no, the work of God is to believe. They hear that and say, okay, well, if the work of God is to believe in you, perform a sign. That's like saying, Lord, prove you are God to us. What spirit is that? Begins with P. Certainly not H. Prove that you're who you say you are. Because we're all together. He's so loving. How would you have responded there? (laughs) 
or just this? Come. Come. I see a very immature response. I see a people who have no idea who they are. So come. And Father, forgive them that one. I know you're going to forgive them a whole lot. But right now, forgive them that one. Love, Melissa, you get this fear. Because it can't hang around with lovers. So I find this very fascinating, their response. And as we know, he has already performed something. They've just eaten it. See, God can do miracle after miracle after miracle. He can feed you, heal you, give you food, and you still don't believe. What's that about? Oh, look, you can believe here. You can mentally agree and say, God, yes, yes, yes. And then this heart goes, no. And we looked at that three weeks ago, didn't we? We said there's believe, which is mental agreement, intellectual agreement. So we can all say, yes, yes, we believe. And then our lives don't reflect our belief because true belief is full conviction of what God says through revelation. And then you have a reference point for a brand new revelation that you didn't have. And now you actually believe the way the Bible says. Up until that point, you're really in unbelief. But you agree with principles that are true, but you don't know the truth. And you need to know the truth if you want to be set free, not what's true. So yes, principles are true, but if you land the bus there and make that your end, guess what? You'll never know the truth because the truth is a person. But what's true comes from the person who is the truth. So never separate what's true from the person. That's how you get led astray and create your own version of the truth. And so it's fascinating, this passage. He's going, well, I, we just want, you know, don't we do another one? The crowd mentality is what I can get. The disciple mentality is who I am to become. Four stages of becoming a disciple and having Christ as our source. And we're going to finish it right here. Four stages. This isn't in, so if you want to write this down. The first source is give me. That's how we come as a child, don't we? Give me. <laughs> Anyone with kids knows that? Me, 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 me. We were at a birthday party last night, and I saw Josh and Jesse's little beautiful children, you know, and um, Ellie had the, had the, the blocks and... and, and um, the little guy was wrestling, and, and he wanted that. And the angel was like, oh, I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and, and give me, give me. And it was a fight, and Jesse's trying to manage it all, you know. It's like, it's quite <laughs> and I'm sure we all know what that's like. You see, give me. I want. So that's how God accepts us. None of us come mature. We all come immature, out of darkness into light. Second one is this, use me. <laughs> You don't know what you're getting, Laura. <laughs> Use me. I want to go win the world. I want to win the world. That's already won. 
No, 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 it's not. No, it's already won. I got it. I got it under control. I created it. I got it sorted. How about we just take you where you're really at and let's get you growing up a little bit. And so we do this, and it can be right, but we do it from the flesh and the spirit. So there's a whole lot of flesh, and then there's some spirit. It can be spirit and then flesh. So it's give me, use me. You ready for this one? Break me. (laughs) Oh, I think it's time to leave. (laughs) Where's that door? (laughs) Give me. He loves you. Give me these gifts. I want to go. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to go. Use me. Yeah. Okay. Let's just. Now, how about I just break some things off? Well, like what? Well, like everything. (laughs) Because unless the foundation truly is Christ through revelation, then your foundation is probably your version of Christ. And it's true, but it's not the truth. So when the pressure comes, you wobble. Because your foundation isn't Christ. It's all in words, but the words are empty. Because you say, I believe, but I have a mental agreement with Jesus as my Messiah. But is he? Through revelation. See, so he's got to do a deep work. He's got to lay the foundations in the inner, hiddenmost being place where the concrete is poured in through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word, and now it's set. Now you're immovable, but not through your ability, through your surrender and submission and your weakness. Why? Because Christ, Christ crucified is the way in, not through signs and wonders and not through asking for wisdom. Mm. So he breaks to build, to bless. He doesn't break you to leave you. He breaks you to build you, to bless you. Into what? This eternal life. So you know I'm the source of your life. And the last one, make me. Make me. Can I have the music team back? Make me. I come to get. I say, use me. Who will send? Don't be so quick to want to get out there. God sends people. We don't send ourselves. The problem is we do. We send. We think we're the saviour of the world. But what do you got? Have you got true testimony of a transformative work? Or are you just going to talk about a guy that was raised from the cross that you sort of know, but it's not living in you? So I'd wait until you get that sorted. Or if he says go, then ask him to do that while you're on journey with him. So we come to get, and we say, use me. He says, okay, that's cool, and I accept you as you are, and it may have been a miracle. It may have been this that brought you to me. Now I need to break some things. And depending on the revelation that you had and how, what you have built, he may have to break the whole thing. But it's broken in love, from love, for you, to build you, to bless you. And it's all a work of love. And you don't be afraid of it because it's a good thing. Because there's no loss in Christ when you lose your life for his sake. But if you haven't lost it for his sake, which you can do for your sake, thinking you're losing it for his sake because you want to get out and use him, use, use me. So you think living for Jesus is about works. And it can be if it's defined through true belief. But it's not through true belief. It's just you trying to prove yourself. So he has to break that model down, that wineskin down. And then he says, now I want to make you. 
I want to make you spotless, blameless. For I have chosen you before the foundations of the earth, Ephesians 1, 4, into the adoption so you could become spotless, blameless before me and all of heaven and earth. Two verses. <laughs> 69 to go. Doesn't that say everything about the God we follow? And do you know that was really out of one verse? Because there is an abundance of food to make the source your source, and it never runs out, and it never runs dry. And as soon as you eat one bit of chicken, there's another chicken that magically appears in front of you. Amen. Can we stand together? Father, I thank you that you love us with such a love that holds no boundaries, limits. There's no laws to it. It's so abundantly beyond comprehension. But it can be known through revelation and it can be received through your power because that's what your word says. That's what Ephesians says, God, that we can know how wide, how deep, how high is the source of life, Jesus himself. And the source of life can be in us to the fullest measure as we understand that you are and want to be and will be the entire source of our being. God, I pray we wouldn't breathe without breathing you. Show us how unconsciously conscious, how innate this is, Lord, like the natural is to breathe. Show us that in the spirit because the substance and the source of that life is in us, coming forth from us and through us. So spirit, break out. You have broken, but break out of those that are confined. Break out of those that are holding you back in fear. Break out, God. Lord, I pray that today would be an action of trust. Father, Peter got out on the water, not because he had faith, but because he trusted in what you said. And it was when you said it. It was when you said it. God, he responded when you said it. He didn't wait for another day. He didn't say, that's a good idea. He said, just give me some time to pray about it. He responded when you said it. And so, Father, today I pray, Spirit, break out. As we step out, break out. As we step out, break out. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in us, but we want you to dwell. We want you to rage. We want you to consume and take over us, Father. We want to be under the control of the Spirit. Take control of us, Lord. We surrender and submit. Christ, Christ crucified, is the way to eternal life. So you're welcome here. You're welcome in my heart. You're welcome in my mind. You're welcome to do a work. Surgery. Build us, Lord, into the image. Build us into the image of the Son.